Grandma hid that hammer in her mattress from my uncle. He would listen to Wu Tang while walking in the jungle. Army fatigue jacket, kitchen knife, hope he don't cut you. With a deuce, do something in his boot in case he get in tussles. He just cold. Cologne and liquor was his odor, fragrance of a rotten soldier. ODB was his persona, he was hot on Mars. For the ounce and this some marijuana. When grandma died from pneumonia, now his life all rolled like cow stop. VHS Cole. Oh man, I Big American Big American Party. Disco dancing. I am having lots of fun. I don't know what we're gonna talk about this week. Only got sort of an idea. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Have another rough week. Um I randomly saw like the um last like scene from the Wonder Years. <laughs> what would you do? Messing. Go ahead. Sorry, messed me up pretty bad. Why? I don't know. We're just being melodramatic this week, I guess. It's the fourth. The very last episode is like Fourth of July, and like he's like, yeah, and Dad died two years later from a heart attack, and Winnie Cooper went to Paris, and blah blah blah. And he's like, you know, life just doesn't turn out how you think it will. And I was like, ah, I agree, Fred Savage. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's directing TV episodes, so yeah, he's doing all right, I guess. But no, as soon as like I saw Winnie Cooper for some reason, uh, Danica McKellar, it like awakened like some uh, primal adolescent like thing. We used to watch One Year's a lot. Yeah, and I like it, like immediately like, my heart like drops into my stomach, and I felt like sick, and I was like, oh god, I'll never have genuine love, and <laughs> like I want to have like a careless um, boyhood meaningful relationship and it's too late and everything's passed me by and now we're going to record this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're in the right frame of mind for uh, the VHS cult. Uh, it's whatever, man. You got to be emotionally honest. Um, a lot of times uh, people don't like it, but I don't do things for other people. I do things for myself. People need to talk about it more about how much um, media. How much uh, you wish you were Fred Savage <laughs> no, from the Wonder Years. How much media in general, like Wonder Years and stuff, has a a, a, a terrible effect on um, juvenile young crazy men. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who will think of the young crazy white men? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I get it. I get it. Like, I have some of those same thoughts and feelings, but. Like, I don't know. I just have to try to maintain perspective and not everybody's experience is... I'm not going to have everybody's experience. There's a lot of shit I'm not going to experience in life. And that's just that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Oh, no, it's just because I'm, like, um, lonely and shit, you know. You know how it goes. And everything is meaningless. Well, meaningless. So is the Wonder Years. I don't know, probably, it had, must have had some meaning to it. Yeah, but I mean, it, but what you're getting at at the end is the inherent meaningness of, of life. Like, and there, nothing really matters in the yeah. long run. And no, uh, one really. year doesn't fix that. No, I guess. You know what does fix that? The sadness of nostalgia. Like, oh yeah, it sure was nice to be a kid, you know? Yeah. And not have any cares or worries. Yeah. That's have your whole life in front of you. Yeah, your whole life. 
Speaking of your whole life in front of you being You still got a whole life in front of you, Kyle. You got a long time to live. Probably not. We got some old motherfuckers in our family sometimes. Like Thomas O'Shaughnessy, he lived a little to a ripe old age. Yeah, he lives back in the old days, too. But, I mean, not not in this economic climate. Who can afford it? Yeah, you just got to scrape and scrape. I refuse to die. Not me. I'm ready to go in a second. (laughs) I'm angry about it. (laughs) Nah, I've had enough. But whatever, fuck you, we watched Shogun Assassin. Return to the vanished kingdoms of ancient times. Journey through a lost empire of mad wizards and barbaric passions. Behold the saga of a legendary warrior, a loving father who has the power of a dozen armies in one sweep of his mystic blade. This is a story of honor, disgrace, vengeance, massacre. And a man who became a demon. Shogun Assassin. Uh, I thought about maybe we should have just watched Lone Wolf and Cub, the first and second movie or whatever. Yeah, that's not how people but, Those are like the 70s movies though, weren't they? Yes, and also I never saw those movies when I was a kid, but I did see Shogun Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. It's a nostalgia trip for us. So, uh, Shogun Assassin is 12 minutes of the first Lone Wolf and Cub film called Sword of Vengeance. And then most of the second one called Baby Card at the River Stakes. I honestly thought there was some of the third one in there too, but I don't know. It's just the first two, which both of them came out in 1972. So they're pumping these bad boys out. Uh, The original director, Kenji Masumi, he did both the first two movies egotistically embarrassingly this man named robert houston puts a directing credit on shogun assassin <laughs> it's like you didn't hey you know what? he directed the voice acting of the dub and I he guess. cut some things in there i guess it doesn't really seem like directing to me <laughs> so robert houston american actor and filmmaker from california uh, he first became known for his character bobby in west Craven's 1977 horror classic the hills have eyes uh, he was responsible for editing together the first two Lone Wolf and Cub Japanese action films into a partially recorded English dub called Shogun Assassin. In partially coherent, too. Houston also wrote and directed several independent films in the 1980s, including teen comedy Bad Banners, a.k.a. Growing Pains. That's a TV show. <laughs> in 1995, Houston's partner died of AIDS. So that sucks. Sorry. Uh, Houston returned to cinema three years later with his first documentary, Rock the Boat. And, Don't tip uh, the boat over. At this point, uh, Houston has become a respected director with his two biggest films, Mighty Times, The Legacy of Rosa Parks in 2002, which was nominated for an Academy Award in 2003. I have and, no recollection of that movie. And Mighty Times, The Children's March in 2004, which won an Academy Award in 2005. Wait, are these documentaries? Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, I don't remember them either, though. No but... one knows anything about documentaries. Well, I mean, I still usually remember the documentaries from the Academy Awards, but... The only thing I remember about this time period in film is uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. That was the only thing that was going on then, I think. (laughs) Can't recall anything else. That's a beautiful mind. 
Oh, that movie wasn't any good. It won an Academy Award. Yeah. There's a lot of bad movies that won Academy Awards. <laughs> and then the producer is a man named David Weissman, um, who I bring up. I mean, he's a producer. I don't even, I don't, what the fuck did the producer do on this movie? He gave him money for editing equipment? I don't know. But uh, th- this dude's cool because he started off, um, he just like saw La Dolce Vita at one point and dropped out of school, moved to Italy and started um, painting um, film posters. Because he's like, fuck this school shit. I'm just going to move to Italy and do this shit because Italian film rules. Uh, that led to him working with Fellini, <laughs> as well as Pier Paolo Pasolini. And then after that, came back to the United States, hung out in New York, uh, worked with Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Yeah, so he um, he, saw- he did Chow Manhattan. Which Chow! Is the, yeah, it's Manhattan. a weird Andy Warhol movie. That, I guess They're like, all weird Andy Warhol movies. Yeah, that one's the most, like recognized i guess so that's pretty cool he seems like he's a pretty cool guy he hangs out with some cool guys andy warhol fellini pasolini those are all cool guys and then the music which is possibly the best part of i was Starting gonna say Assassin. the soundtrack is great yeah this is a man named mark Lindsay, who's a former lead singer for a band called paul revere and the raiders oh shit really <laughs> which i don't know what the fuck that is you don't remember paul revere and the raiders no oh uh, he co-wrote the music with a man named W. Michael Lewis. The performing credit is listed as the Wonderland Philharmonic. However, music cues from the original Kozuru Okami films are also used. So uh, I've never actually seen the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. I'm wondering how different the soundtrack is. Like, I bet it's got to be really different. Uh, yeah, so it's those, they came out in 72, so it's not likely that they're going to have the same synthesizers. Sound. Right. <laughs> They're also Japanese films. I gotta assume it's and more like Japanese them, traditional instruments. Yeah, I think they took them a little bit more seriously. Well, not that Shogun Assassin is not taken seriously, but it has the... It's got a certain it's sort good, of... It's like, got like a flavor to cheek it. Cheek to it. Yeah, where it's like, you, you know, it's... um They turned it into more of a grindhouse film. A little bit more campy somehow. So I'm guessing the original soundtrack is probably not as interesting. Uh, that said, talking shit about the dudes that uh, auspiciously said they directed it and produced it. <laughs> uh, they did. Um, Robert Houston did do something really interesting with the edit, I think, and the music's part of it as well. But uh, it, it makes the movie more meditative and um, artfully obscure, kind of. There's like a lot of uh, the pacing of it has to have changed a little bit because it's like not paced like a regular ass just run-in-the-mill pumped out samurai movie so it takes on like a different quality in the edit especially with the narration from his toddler son who can't really speak i don't know the kid like in character he's really only has a vague idea of what's going on mm-hmm. he's got the highlights you know what i mean he doesn't really know why his mom died or, or. I, I, I'm probably going to go and watch the Lone Wolf and Cub movies now to see what the major differences are, but maybe it's nostalgia or just because I like, um, I guess it's probably mostly nostalgia, but uh, Shogun Assassin has way more style than a bunch of other like samurai and kung fu movies that came out around the same, the same time period. I feel like a lot of that must have to do with the way they edited it. Maybe. I don't know. Though. I've read the manga. Um, you know, shockingly, <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of style in that manga. Yeah, but I just would it be translated. Oh, you know, there was 
So there's a series of Japanese films about a prisoner 701 scorpion. Scorpion. Like a female prisoner that's badass. They're like real campy grindhouse movies. I like those quite a bit. So I was going to say Japan didn't have a very long tradition of making like um, sort of grindhousey movies like this. But actually, there was, they had a pretty strong period in the 70s. So, yeah, the original Lone Wolf and Cubs might be... I mean, they have to be because it's the fucking red paint splashing everywhere. Yeah, I mean, the manga was violent as shit. Yeah. I love the Japanese violence of this time period where people are just full of red paint. <laughs> you can see uh, the influence uh, Quentin Tarantino takes from some of these movies. Oh, too. yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about it when I was watching it, too, is... um. Samurai films are known for this um, comical violence, especially like the blood sprays, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was obviously Quentin Tarantino loved them because the opening part of this movie is in Kill Bill Volume 2. But what I like, the thing that Quentin Tarantino did now that he's switched over to making more westerns is like he incorporated the, the over-the-top violence of samurai movies into the westerns. So we have these like huge squibs when people get shot and stuff. Like you think of Django Unchained when he's shooting people and mm-hmm. it's like, that's like the samurai level of violence in a Western setting. Because if you watch contemporary Westerns and stuff, it's not that violent. No. I mean, I don't think there's any real blood. Like, uh, uh, Pale Rider, there was very little blood in that movie, just by how many people he killed. Well, just, yeah, even like contemporaneous Westerns, like um, The Wild Bunch or The Dirty Dozen, which were seen as being incredibly violent at the time. Like, pale in comparison to like the samurai movies that were coming out a few years later. So, I mean, you know, it's Japan. They do things cooler than the United States a lot of times. Like, um, United States is not a big market for animated pornography, but Japan loves it. <laughs> that makes Japan better. Is that animated pornography? Is that your, your benchmark? Uh-huh. Like, cause, um, I bet, I bet yeah, animated pornography is plenty if, of popular in the United States. If you it's just watch, not about. Yeah, well, it's we, not, we hire, uh, it's not, more. it's not produced here. Yeah. Is what I mean. But here's the, the big difference. You watch regular pornography. There's no way you can see what the internal action is, right? Yeah, right. You don't see, you, can't <laughs> you, see you don't in, get the cross section of the vagina. You can't see inside people. But if you watch hentai, you can see inside people. You can just, it's like, wow. And that's what people really want. That's what the people are out there thirsting for. They want the anatomy of it. <laughs> Do you have a Dan Carlin impersonation? I bring this up because Dan Carlin has got like... He's got a distinct voice. I don't never try it. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, check out mine. You ready? Yeah. You got to start off though. Uh, you go, hey, Dan Carlin, what's your favorite month? Hey, Dan Carlin, what's your favorite month? Well, August. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Why does he use that adjective so often? <laughs> you just gotta, um, yeah. It's kind of so, like that. Well, oh our story today, our story today <laughs> takes place in Japan during the Tokugawa Shogunate. He has an entire World War II series about Japan. Barbarous film. <laughs> We have a schlubby samurai. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the, the fucking portly? Uh, I can't. Well, I can't remember his name. Uh, they definitely don't say it in the movie, but he has a name. Well, and he's quite, just credited as the Lone Wolf, so he's probably got a name. I don't know. His son's Daigoro. It's like Atagoro or something like that. I can't remember it uh, from the manga. But oh, uh, wait, hold he, on. Uh, he, I have it somewhere, perhaps. He is not a portly man in the in the in the comic books. He's not. No. Um, so when I saw him. And uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Shogun Assassin since I was a kid. So when I saw him, I'm like, holy shit, what's this portly guy doing here? 
Having a good time, having a good time. He just doesn't look like he's there to kick anybody's ass. He's there to drink beer, and that's it. Do you have it? No, I don't think so. Damn yeah, it. he's got a real, like, David Berkowitz vibe to him, which is uh, the son of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> the chubby behemoth. Uh, <laughs> My neighbor's dog told me to kill all these samurai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could easily just be the fantasies of a deranged man who never had anything to do with the Shogun. Uh, did you like the uh, cameo from the Three Storms? Yeah. <laughs> the Three Storms from The uh, um, in Little China. Yeah. <laughs> they are in Shogun Assassin. They all show, when they show up on the boat, it's like, oh shit, the Three Storms. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm guessing the Three Storms were copied from these guys, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> of the time period. 100%. And as we all know, John Carpenter's hack. John Carpenter's not a hack. You take that back. I'll cut you. John Carpenter, you hack. Just making some of the most creative American films of the 80s, you fucking hack. Why can't you be more like Walt Disney? Yeah, you son of a bitch. Goddamn son of a bitch. I like when uh, Wes Craven dies. John Carpenter is like, him? Really? Before me? <laughs> uh, so one of the good stuff happens in Shogun Assassin. Uh, there's a scene where uh, they need to get warm. The lone wolf and his cub and uh, a, a female ninja, which is Kuno Ich or something like that. Instead of being like, hey, we should get the West Coast off and huddle together for warmth. He just assaults her and freaks and like acts like he's being crazy for thinking he's going to rape her. <laughs> so I thought that's pretty good. And then also, um, I just don't think he has a lot of experience. The audience the is uh, along for the ride, too. Yeah, so while yeah, you're watching it, you're like, this guy's the hero? <laughs> What's going on? Because <laughs> you don't know it. You yeah. don't have any context for it either. So as far as you know. Our heroic, slubby samurai who just wants to protect his son suddenly just—he doesn't necessarily want to protect his son because the movie starts out with like, "Hey, son, you, you, choose. you choose either gonna be you're gonna be a ronin with me, or here if you're gonna pick this ball, and I'm about to kill you and go live with your mom in heaven." I mean, if he doesn't pick the sword, then he's gonna be too weak to carry on anyways, and you know the shogun's gonna get him, so <laughs> may as well put him out of his misery. Also, I like the narration at the beginning how the son's explaining how the shogun never likes to leave his castle, and then we repeatedly see the shogun out and about doing shit. I'm guessing um <laughs> the way the shogun looks in his madness, since it's so similar to him. Ran. What was his? He was he wasn't a shogun. I don't. No, I don't remember what his position was. He, he called him the Great Lord, but that's hmm, that's a translation of it. Maybe he was a daimyo, but daimyos are usually just like the equivalent of like dukes. You know, it's a Great Lord, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. What's not that important? Whatever. Um, they they look. There's a similar look to him, and it's also like uh, I've seen the same sort of design and makeups on like other similar characters that are supposed to yeah, be in Japanese. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm thinking it's probably something that look has existed for a long time. It must have something to do going back with like Japanese stage performance, right? Because think about like oh, uh, yeah, King Richard, right? What's the fucking Shakespeare play about Hamlet? King, what, fucking <laughs> King Lear? Which um, one are you talking about? <laughs> Richard the Third. Is that what it is? Richard the Third, the one that's like famous for like whoever acts him has to be like a shitty monster king. Yeah, that's Richard, Richard right? the Third. <clears throat> So yeah, whatever that Shakespeare shit is, you know, like that's the thing is that's what a, a mad king is in like the Western canon, really. At least maybe like from the English tradition on down to America and stuff. So I'm assuming it's the same sort of situation where in, in Japanese theater, early productions and storytelling and stuff, that was like the idea of what a 
mad ruler would look like, so you get to see it perpetuated for decades and years and years. And that's why there's similar look to all of them, I guess. Got it. That's my theory, anyways. Well, it's a stupid theory. Get a new theory. I don't know who to ask. <laughs> I need to ask Japanese people. Japanese historian or something. <laughs> I don't think I could ask like just an everyday Japanese person about it. Probably not. I just assume since they're um, so consumer-minded, like the United States is, the citizens of the United States are, you know, like, you can't ask these people here, like, oh, can you name the first five presidents? Like, I assume if you went to Japan and asked them about, like... You got your, you got your George Washingtons, you got your John Adams, you got your Thomas Jeffersons. Do you really want to go through all five? Uh, I mean, you started. <laughs> <laughs> it's Madison. James Madison? James, yeah, that tiny man. James? How could he be president? He's only five foot... Three? <laughs> and then it's Monroe. It's Monroe's fifth, right? Yeah, I think so. Shit, I might be wrong. I might have been one of those people you're just complaining about. We'll edit it out if you're wrong. <laughs> Thank you. You can't leave that shit in there. It's <laughs> embarrassing. But yeah, the same sort of thing. Like, you know, it's not relevant to your daily life and you, the, 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 the products you need to consume. So why would you know any of that information? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Why do I? <laughs> yeah. Well... The fifth president was John Malarkey. No, I'm right. It was John Malarkey? No, I was right. You're wrong. Oh. Hey, today's Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, we should have watched uh, some football movie today. Friday Night Lights. Oh, also, it's Groundhog's Day. We could have watched Groundhog's Day. Oh, shit. It's also your birthday's tomorrow. Yeah, we could have watched... Your birthday. My birthday. <laughs> watch <laughs> one of them birthday tapes. There's a really good one of me. I don't know where it's one, how, where it's gone at this point, but it's, I think, my third birthday. And I have like just a little like like a steam shovel, little tractor ride on guy. It's not like a power wheel or anything, but you know, you can like scoot around on it. Yeah, it's like the self powered ones. Yeah, and I'm like just chilling on it naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luxury, hedonism. <laughs> That's what the eighties was all about. Well, the late eighties, it's been like eighty nine or ninety actually. So yeah, whatever. We're coming up on friends. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow's also um the Iowa caucus, right? Yeah. Caucuses are undemocratic. Yeah, most things are in the United States. <laughs> Iowa caca. Well, that's because this is a republic, sir. Oh, my God. I'm going to hit you. A republic, sir. So how? In what way? A democracy could be a republic. God damn it. Well, you don't know your definitions. I hate you. Well. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me. Uh, it's a republic. August, sir. An august republic. Na, 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 na. I just like people were tweeting about Dan Carlin for some reason, and then I don't, I didn't ever investigate what it was about. I just assumed he dropped a new episode or something. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think I can do a Dan Carlin. <laughs> and then I worked it into it so I could do one of those micro impersonations so that, like, the you get the, the prompt that, like, adds to the joke. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just, this is how comedy works. This <laughs> is, is it? What, I don't think so. This is how you, this is why you tune in, tune in VHS <laughs> and learn about the machinations of uh, comedy. Dan Carlin impersonations. Well. Poorly samurai. Schlubby samurai. Schlubby samurai. It should be remade. They call it Schlubby samurai. Schlubby no. seven samurai. This was a better, mar- we watched really kind of two martial artists movies this week. So we saw No Retreat, No Surrender. Oh, yeah. And then we went to Mystery Science Theater this week. Yeah, we went and saw Mystery Science Theater 3000 on tour this week. And they watched No Retreat, No Surrender, is that one? Yeah. And the, uh, man, that movie makes no fucking sense. Yeah, the Kung Fu's in it, in it is really bad, too. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, that reminds me about something I want to talk about. 
Was it RJ? I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up in this episode because it's not equivalent. The Japanese samurai films. Well, somewhat because Japanese samurai films. Um, well, first, Japanese samurai films are usually nationalistic. They're about tradition and the, how great Japanese culture is and blah, blah, blah that sort of thing. Uh, this one, Shogun Assassin, is luckily one of the outliers, which is, makes it interesting wherein um, he's a ronin and he's going against the empire. And it makes him sort of like an outsider uh, who's rising up against um, the powers that be, which is actually kind of strange for a samurai movie. What I wanted to bring up had more to do with kung fu movies. So luckily we also saw No Retreat, No Surrender. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work for what I want to talk about because No Retreat, No Surrender is a goofy white boy American kung fu movie. <laughs> it's got Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. He's playing a Russian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's generally the reason people love kung fu movies, or the reason why I like them, and why the reason the reasons they were made, and why people appreciate kung fu. I think the martial arts from China. Um, it's because it's all fake and doesn't work. No, we are going to get into that though. But um, <laughs> it's generally about look. You can overcome your weaknesses, and the weaknesses put upon you by a corrupt system. Through training and skill and focus of intent, right? You, So China has a long history, or Hong Kong specifically, because most of the kung fu movies are from Hong Kong. Well, the ones that you think about are. Yeah. China's producing their own kung fu movies. Well, yeah, they're propaganda now. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Hong You're Kong. You're talking like the 80s, 70s kind of. 60s, Kong, 70s, yeah. 80s, yeah. Uh, so Hong Kong, of course, is conquered by Britain and China and Britain. And China tries again. Well, so there's a history of uh, Hong Kong being oppressed by a larger cultural group. Maybe I should do this in a Dan Carlin voice. <laughs> Please uh, don't. History. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of these kung fu movies are them rebelling against it. So there's a, like a punk rock element to the Hong Kong kung fu movies, which are great. Problem is, or oh, rap element, huh? Yeah, we'll tie down the Wu Tang. We'll give it to Liquid Source. <laughs> oh okay yeah um so that's i think that's why they resonate with a lot of people including uh black americans perfectly exemplified by wu-tang clan uh, but problem with it now which kind of mentioned is uh the kung fu movies that are made nowadays and the way uh, kung fu and the martial arts are treated in china is incredibly detrimental to society and any tankies listening will have to stop listening now because I'm going to talk shit about <laughs> communist China, which isn't communist, it's state capitalism. But anyhow, um, they've turned martial arts into national pride, money-making scheme, and a, a, a control mechanism in China, right? So there's a lot of schools that require you to learn and master Tai Chi, they have a lot of like Tai Chi masters and air quotes and stuff that make appearances on TV and they do uh, political action for the um, Communist Party in China, the ruling party in China, this sort of thing. And it's Kung Fu martial arts to this point have gone to the point where uh, it's like magic, right? Yeah, all these masters. Do it's like, not quite as bad as like the people out there going like, I got chi balls throwing chi power, but it's close. Oh, no, it's, it is in China right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> They do that shit where, like, they touch one guy's arm and, like, a whole group of people fall down. Oh, fuck and, that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we're, there is one man. <laughs> You're going to talk about his shoe? <laughs> one man in China 
who will not tolerate this tomfoolery. He is a forty-one-year-old uh, washed-up MMA fighter named Shu Xiaodong, <laughs> and he's fucking dope. Uh, of course, the Chinese government has completely ruined his life because he's been going around beating up famous grandmasters who think they're badass, and they are all just getting locked out. I mean, if you've seen any of these guys fight uh, Shu, clearly none of them have actually ever been in a fight or been punched in the face, because as soon as he goes for them, they cripple. They just fall well, apart. There's one where he fights the Tai Chi master, where as soon as he hits him in the face... He has that reaction that people have where they've never been hit in the face before. Right. It's like, right. oh, shit, this hurts. Well, well, no, not even that. It hurts that you're just like, you can't even fathom what happens. You're like, oh, like the first time you get hit in the face, you're yeah. just like, what the fuck? And he hits this dude. And, and like, like everything disappears. Every ounce yeah. of training this motherfucker I've ever It's like, for sure, this guy's never been hit in the face. He's just like, Whoa, oh, God. It sucks. The thing that sucks about it, honestly, is a lot of these masters are like older fellas. So they want to come out and be badasses and like continue to fight, and then so you kind of just watch an old man get beat up because they like try to keep going for some yeah. reason, which is foolish on their part. But then the other side of it is uh, these guys are like actively exploiting the perpetuating people. this myth that they're grand, grand, great fighters and untouchable, and that MMA is bullshit. Yeah, and <laughs> it's worse than that, I think, because of the. The power that and the power Kung Fu and, has yeah. over people. Because the idea... There's people that genuinely, genuinely must feel hurt and trapped and scared. And they think that maybe learning these martial arts are going to help them, right? But then they go there and it's just some old asshole taking their money to show them like magic wind or bullshit like that. I, we talked about it last week or whatever about cold lighting. Yeah, last week. Yeah, How I think that's shooting. a really scummy practice too because you're preying on sad people, people that are grieving and just taking their money and like tricking them into thinking they're talking to their dead loved ones. I think this is on absolutely the same platform. And the fact that the Chinese government is like deeply, deeply into it and it's all like um, a conspiracy or a conglomerate of people just trying to make money, including the Chinese government, off of the suffering of their own people. Which I mean, why would, why would China do that? They're not known for anything like that. <laughs> it's uh, pretty disgusting. And like I said, yeah, they've basically the Chinese government's basically ruined Shu's life. He's like can't work. He has to appear in uh, clown makeup every time he fights because he can't be his face can't be seen on TV. Uh, he got kicked out of the dojo he started and taught at, and they basically erased any history of him being a fighter, or teaching at the dojo, any awards he's won. They've come to his house and, like, low-key threatened his family. You know, that sort of shit. So, it's fucking bullshit. He is a fucking kung fu hero. He's a real fucking martial arts master. That's what these kung fu movies are about. They're about motherfuckers like him. Not stupid, dumb motherfuckers, like, shooting magic wind out of their sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to bring it up because it pisses me off, man. They fucking... I can't stand... Oh, just yeah, you, the grift. You can't take the grift. I don't like the grift, and I don't like systematic oppression. And it's let this man go out there and beat up chumps. And to a larger thing, I hate uh, this this broader attitude that people have, where they can't um, even when they're presented with new information about someone that they idolize in some way, or like look up to, or see as an authority in some way, even when there's clear information presented to them. Like, oh, they're not who you think they are. They're not good, blah, blah, blah. People 
still just can't ever fucking give up that shit. It's like when you see people. Well, you don't ever admit you're wrong. That's what it, that's how everybody is. It's like the sunken cost fallacy, right? A little bit, but it's more like the. Uh, it's not like a real cost. It's the mental cost, you know. Yeah, I mean? well, it's like the emotional cost. People get out of Scientology, but then still won't talk shit about L. Ron, Ron Hubbard. Hubbard. Yeah, and you see that with Colts all the time. I just like the same That's thing. That's kind of like, cool. I want to have. I want people to yeah. just get it. I, I don't even listen to VHS call anymore, but you know what? Sean Kyle, greatest people ever lived. Hell yeah. They're the best. <laughs> they're the best. I'm emotionally honest. I talk about my feelings. I don't want to talk about my feelings. I'm it so hurts complex. deep inside. I'm not very complex. Soon we'll be talking about my sexuality. Anyhow, though, basically what I'm saying is stop being mad at Rashida Tlaib for booing Hillary Clinton. Because <laughs> uh, uh, some idols must be usurped. You must unearth the machinations of the oppressive society that exists upon you. And sometimes you just gotta boo them. <laughs> you say, "Boo China, boo Hillary Clinton, boo Ronald the three Reagan. storms." Oh, f- you don't even boo Ronald Reagan. If his fucking ghost comes back and you see it, you gotta punch it. You gotta piss on it. If <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta throw some ghost piss on it. <laughs> oh, that shit reminds me. Uh, in Lone Wolf and Cub, like he does, the, there's a lot of shit he does that just seems like real clever to me. There's one mm. part, well, one story where he uh, he has the kid pee on a, a famous lord or a lord to get the lord angry enough oh, to yeah. challenge him to a duel. <laughs> That's badass. He is. <laughs> this movie is like hella cool. Um, so when we watched it when we were kids and stuff, actually up until very recently, I had no idea it was the Lone Wolf and Cub. Like recut yeah me either until probably like five or six years ago yeah and then so when i went to watch it this time i was like oh man is it gonna suck and then i was watching it, i was like it doesn't suck obviously 90 percent of it is good because the other movies have to be good right Right. but there's something about just the little tweak they did with the narration um the way it's cut and like parts the soundtrack movie are in flashback form and just the structure being changed slightly and the soundtrack, it's like, yeah, fucking, I, it's, there's almost, it's almost like psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. So I had a great time watching this movie. I'm glad I watched it. I'm going to watch it again tonight, probably. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just, I have the, I have the six Lone Wolf and Cub movies, I think. I haven't watched them yet. I got them because of, specifically because of The Mandalorian. I'll probably, oh, probably watch them. Oh, I wanted to bring up, like, you guys have all seen, you guys know what Lone Wolf and Cub is. You, you just saw it recently. It's called <laughs> Mandalorian. <laughs> Yeah, um, Daigoro, a cuter than Baby Yoda. Uh, in the comic books, yeah, I don't think so in the oh, movie. movie. Yeah. Well, another thing <laughs> to talk about, like my uh, weird emotional behavior, is like, when I was watching this movie and they had like baby Daigoro, <laughs> I was having him choose. I was like, oh no, I like babies now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you always like babies. Well, like recently, it's been like when I see babies, I'm like, hmm, I could have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, oh shit, I'm really getting old. I think. Hey, your eternal clock is ticking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right, it's catching up to me. <laughs> yeah, I know you hate it, but you've had nieces and nephews, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, but I've always been like, no way. That I, don't, I actually still like don't want kids now. I don't want to raise a kid. I just want to have a baby. So I'll probably just like get a pig or <laughs> a dog or something. You so know, it's basically the same. What thing. most millennials do. Like, I can't afford that shit. <laughs> I don't even have insurance. I was like, the other day, I was like, man, maybe I need to get back on medication for my brain chemicals. And I was like, oh, I don't have insurance. So <laughs> I won't worry about it. I just like, I just have to work out every day. 
It's like the weirdest shit. I guess it's not weird because nah, it's like you know endorphins and oxytocin, dopamine and, and shit. Yeah, but it's like legitimately like if I don't work out for like two or three days, it's like this is oh man, this is it. We're barely hanging on, Kyle. What are we gonna do? I, mean, I do the same thing. <laughs> so I think sometimes I think I have a better mental condition than you, but maybe I just hide it better. Um, but I, I if I don't walk or do yoga for a couple of days, I feel like shit. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm like, I've noticed a difference, too, with, like, even if I do yoga, but I don't, like, walk the dog for a day or two. I don't know if it's, like, the vitamin D or what. Oh, yeah, I don't have any vitamin D. That's why I purposely go out and sit in the sun. <laughs> I don't like the sun, though. Especially you with your, your pasty white skin. You're not eating any fish. Where are you getting your vitamin D from? I eat fish. How often? Um, Once a week, probably. Yeah, that's probably not enough. You need to eat, like, that um, cod, like the rock does. I'd eat fish all the time if I could, but it's, like, expensive. expensive. Yeah. And you can't eat tuna because you get the mercury poisoning. Can't eat tuna? You, you can't, can't eat tuna all the time. <laughs> what about like sardines? That's probably okay. The bottom feeder fish, you know, like the prey yeah. fish are usually good. Why? They're just their metabolism or the way their body works is better at filtering out things like that. No, I just think it's because the t- tuna are like more at the top of the food chain. So mm-hmm. they're getting everybody else's mercury. They're oh, getting okay. the accumulation of it. That makes sense. Yeah, sardines are pretty good. I guess it's a sardine sardines. I used to eat sardine salads at work and people get mad at me. Why? Because it's smelly. Because that smelly fish. Man. But if you get the kind that are like in, um, like vegetable or yeah. olive oil or peanut oil or whatever, like they usually don't smell that fishy, from my experience. That's what I thought too. But people, though, my neighbor would still complain to me about it. They, he was probably just like, "Oh, fish! Oh, fish just stink! I don't know nothing because <laughs> I'm American." Well, that that ends this culinary chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's been the food portion of VHS call. Yeah. So going back to. Um, Kung Fu being for the downtrodden, the working class. Kung Fu is for the people. The outside. Wu-Tang's for the kids. Wu-Tang's for the people. Kung Fu's for the kids. Kung Fu is for everybody. If you ever feel like an outsider. Be careful. I mean, honestly, like, there, are, there probably there are some legitimate Kung Fu schools out there, but be careful because they are a lot of shit. In oh, yeah. Fu. A lot of them are garbage. Uh, so, like, uh, the ones that actually are used in combat sports still, those are the ones you want to go to because it's more than, like, just... Soft exercise. Actually, Tai Chi is a good soft exercise, especially if you're out of shape or old. I've talked about this before, but I learned Tai Chi at one point from a dude that, you know, supposedly learned from a guy that fled uh, Tibet. And, like, at least 40% of what I learned was grappling. Which does and anytime I watch Tai Chi, chi online, it's, yeah. it was, there's no, like, certainly in China, they don't teach grappling anymore in Tai Chi. No. I don't think Tai Chi ever had grappling. He was probably also, like, teaching you jujitsu. <laughs> I don't think so. I've seen jujitsu and it's different. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it was a lot. I mean, it was. It wasn't pure. It definitely wasn't like a Tai Chi Chun, right? Isn't that the Chinese version? Yeah, I don't know. Whichever the Chinese version is, uh, fake garbage. But uh, so it is like, like I said, if you're infirm, old, um, really out of shape, you just need some like soft exercise to get started. Or just, you know, to use your body once in a while. Tai Chi is good for that. It's like doing light yoga, basically. Um, but aside from that, I mean, if you want to learn a combat sport, just look up the ones that are actually judo, still jiu-jitsu. competitive. Yeah, judo, jiu-jitsu. Certain forms of karate. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Yeah, karate. Uh, boxing. Boxing, obviously, yeah. Yeah. You know, shit like that. You'll actually um, exercise, get a good workout, um, strengthen your body. And you'll be you'll learn enough about fighting that you'll know that you don't know very much about fighting. <laughs> That's uh, from my combat experience from doing just a little bit of boxing and Muay Thai that I've done. It's like 
Yes, now I know enough about fighting to know there's a lot of people that can kick my ass. <laughs> With that, speaking of the downtrodden and the appeal of kung fu movies, let's get back to Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> so they're not; they don't appear in Shogun Assassins. They do not, but the opening um, dialogue and several other parts of the narration from Daigoro, little baby Daigoro, do appear throughout the album Liquid Swords by the Jizza. And uh, according to the Jizza, Liquid Swords is a concept of being lyrically sharp. I'm trying. Can you do Rizza? Nope. <laughs> he talks a little. He's got kind of a list. But uh, this is Jizza, anyways. He sounds just like a regular dude. Yeah, so. I can't. I definitely can't do the Jizza. So Liquid Swords is a concept of being lyrically sharp, flowing like liquid metal, mercury. You know, it comes from this flick, Legend of the Liquid Sword, where people would get their head cut off, but it would still be on their shoulders. No one else would notice because the sword was so sharp. Wu-Tang is a sword style, and this here is the sharpest. I'd rather slip on the pavement than slip on my tongue. <laughs> liquid Swords. So, Liquid Swords is a triumph. This is after 36 Chambers. After Method Man's Tickle. After Old Dirty Bastards Return to the 36 Chambers. The dirty version. And during the same time, Raekwon's recording only built for, only built for Cuban links. His, uh... Fucking Wu-Tang Clan was going crazy in the early 90s. Or I guess mid-90s. Just just that run of records. They were just... Seemed just un- spitting them out. They seemed unstoppable. <laughs> they were stopped, though. Yeah, so it's actually at the end of um, RZA and Raekwon finishing up, uh, only built for Cuban links, is when they started doing working on uh, Liquid Swords. And uh, RZA and Jizza are cousins. Did you know that? No, I didn't. ODB's their cousin, too. Did you oh, know that? Oh, man. Method Man's not. What? <laughs> uh, Liquid Swords is often acclaimed as the best Wu-Tang solo project of all and cemented the genius slash Jizz's reputation as the best pure lyricist in the group. Which I mentioned the other day when we were listening to Liquid Swords when we were going to see Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> I was like, you know, the reason that modern rap songs are only two minutes long is because... Uh, Ain't nobody got nothing to say. They ain't got shit to say. And like the beats in hip-hop have always been kind of repetitive. But it doesn't matter if you got a lot of cool shit to say and you're, you know, actually making like really interesting rhymes and wordplay and stuff, which is what makes uh, Liquid Swords so good. Six minute song of just Jizza rapping. I'll listen to it. He's got some shit to say. <laughs> you know, the only rapper that has anything to say these days is a little old gentleman named Macklemore. He's not even around anymore, <laughs> yeah. is he? You remember that shit like two or three years ago when they're like, oh, the only rapper that has anything to say is Macklemore. Who I guess said it was more that? Like four, Who four said that? Ago. Some honky? I think it was. Uh, well, he, it was. I feel like it was on the medias. Hmm. Because he had that song about you not being mean to gay people. Well, he had that song about going to the thrift shop. <laughs> That's what you're talking about. That's he the, the one. Shop, yeah. I remember he won a Grammy over Kendrick, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Grammys are bullshit. I've said this before, but the Sound of Music soundtrack beat Abbey Road for album of the year. It's a good soundtrack. No, it's not. Fuck off. You don't like the sound of music? I don't like the sound of music. Oh, you know yeah. who else doesn't like it? Max von Sydow. Why not? Because he hated it. He hated being in it. Whoa, really? Yeah. You never heard an interview with him? No. I remember hearing an interview with him when um, Up came out, and he was talking about how much he hated <laughs> sound of music, and he's like, you know, I was in this movie last year called Up, and it was just the perfect suit. It had really everything he needed in it, not like sound of music. What did he think of The Force Awakens? Uh, He's like, I got paid for that. 
<laughs> Thanks for those big. Hey, you know what I heard? That was supposed to be Wedge in the original script. That was Wedge and Tilly's. Oh, really? Which makes way more sense. Huh. Uh, Steve Huey, a music critic, says that. Uh, oh, we're talking about Wu Tang. <laughs> Liquid Swords <laughs> ranks uh, up with Enter the Wu Tang, and Raycon's only built for Cuban Links as one of the group's undisputed classics. I myself am partial to ODB, so I like his solo album the most. And then, well, I guess I like 36 Chambers the most. And then ODB. And then Only Built for Cuban Links. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Liquid Swords. But it's definitely better than Tickle, in my opinion. But the man's got a cool voice and flow and stuff, and I like when you can hear him like suck his spit in. But, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's just not the same. <laughs> And on October 8th, 2015, the Recording Industry of America announced that the album had earned a platinum certification for having sold more than one million copies. Oh my god, that's a lot of copies. Yeah, it became the first Wu-Tang related album to get certified since 2004 when Method Man and Ghostface Killa both earned plaques. Plaques. Ghostface. Where my killer tape at? Huh? Where my killer tape at? I don't know. Where is it? I don't know. That's going to be one of our pieces of merchandise. It'll be a VHS that just says kill the tape on it. <laughs> There'll be nothing on it. It'll be blank. Nope. <laughs> you kill the tape. Give us money. It's the kill the tape. So what we learned today? Well, Kung Fu <laughs> for the people. Wu-Tang is for the people. Daigoro. Why does he play with that woman's nipple? And it calms her down? That seems so weird. Because he's remember when the huddling with the oh, female yeah. ninja and she's going for a sword and then he just starts like Daigoro just starts like doo, 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 <laughs> on her nipple, you know, just <laughs> telling him what's up, just knocking on it, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I won't stab them." <laughs> so it reminds scene. her her of having her own child when her child used to play with her nipples. I don't fucking know, man. Yeah, that is a weird one. That is a weird scene. Uh, the three storms, they all have, like, claws and stuff. It's badass. No, one's go. got a claw, one's got some iron fist, and then one's got a bat. Well, the fists they're are all spiking it. spiked and shit. They're, and they're, like, clawy. I don't know. Yeah, one's uh, Vega from Street Fighter. Yeah, he's the boss. I like uh, the, the um our hero, the Shlubby Samurai. He just kills him real quick. That's the best thing about Samurai movies is it's not, like, overly elaborate sword fights or anything. It's yeah. just, like, he's better than them, so he kills them. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the th- honestly, even if you're in a real sword fight, if you're better than someone, and they're not going to last long. Yeah. You know I mean? uh, yeah. The, well, I think I said before that I prefer violence in film to be like short and impactful, like real life. Obviously, this is real life. I don't think you can like cut someone and then their blood sprays out like that. But No, I think I, every time you cut someone's, you talk to, he told you what happened when you cut with the it's all whistling, right tech. It wails like the wind. Yeah, and you get that sentient blood mist. I like uh, also the camera angle they use. When he kills uh, the Shogun's brother and all his blood sprays onto the camera. It's oh, like, ooh, yeah. this is nice. This is, man, this is a good movie. Oh, well, I like my vines really stylized. Hell yeah, man. It's fucking fun. <laughs> all live movies gotta be so violent because it's fun. <laughs> Put more sex in it, too. That's just fun. <laughs> you just complain about that woman's nipples <laughs> and the rape. Well, I mean, don't make it weird. <laughs> make it fun. <laughs> That's the problem. Some people have different definitions of fun. Someone saw Deathstalker and they thought that was fun. I don't think anyone has seen Deathstalker and thought it was fun. 100%. They made 14 of those movies. Someone thought it was fun. They were, people are just like, can't get enough of that Conan. I guess this is kind of the same. 
And then someone's like, "You got to see this movie, Deathstalker. It's wild." And then I, I don't know. I don't think anyone has um, gone to see Deathstalker or watched Deathstalker for like honest, legitimate. I enjoy Deathstalker. Reasons. I'm 100. I'm gonna find some reviews. I'm gonna read them on the, the, the <laughs> podcast next week. You're gonna you're gonna eat these. It'll be perfect for next week because next week we are watching Conan the Destroyer. Oh shit! I'm definitely doing it then. Man, these are gonna be terrible. Because <laughs> everyone like. I think Deathstalker 2 or 3 is like the worst one too. I'm I think Deathstalker 2 is the rapiest one, which is crazy to say because of how rapey the first one is. <laughs> the first one fucking starts with a rape. I think the, sec- the second one does too. Though. Oh, yeah. You got to get those rapes in. <laughs> no, how else would conflict transpire? <laughs> how, how else can a woman or a person potentially be in trouble if it's not sexual trouble? Yeah, the, the women do perfectly fine in all other situations. The only time they run into trouble is when it's rape, right? Yep. <laughs> Roger Corman School of Filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Roger Corman, um, they distributed his production company or his distribution company distributed Shogun Assassin. <laughs> Perfect. So we can thank him for that. Uh, more nipples, please. Thank you, Roger Corman. Uh, can you tell me if there's any more breasts in any of the other Lone Wolf and Cub movies? I'd like to cut them in here. Thank <laughs> you, Xu Xiaodong. Continue to beat up these old masters. I like the excuses they come up with for when they get beat up, too, where it's like when he beat up uh, the like Wing Chun master or whatever, yeah. he was like... Wing Chun is such garbage. It, he was like, it's because the producers did not provide me with enough rice before the fight. <laughs> So what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you got I picture like Yokozuna. I remember that <laughs> when uh, when Lex oh, slammed him, he took a yeah. break beforehand to eat like a giant bowl of rice. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like twenty cups of rice. I also learned um, that uh, the uh, since they were out in the open, like that mat that they're you know the in the ring was like super ridiculously hot, and they like made Yokozuna be barefoot on it. He oh the shit no. Out of his feet. <laughs> I was like, that sucks. Fucking WWE. I forgot what uh, Yokozuna's real name is. He's one of the um, Ayanui family. I think he... He's, I swear his name's just like Tommy or something. <laughs> I don't remember. No, it's Yokozuna. <laughs> no, it's not Yokozuna. It's absolutely Yokozuna. You're not going to lie to me. Yokozuna. He, uh, in, even in kayfabe, was he supposed to be Japanese? I or think did so. they say he was Samoan? No, I think it was because he had Mr. Fuji carry him out and he had the Japanese flag waving around the oh, entire really? time. You think they wouldn't just be like, yeah, he's from San Francisco. Uh, he's Samoan. There's a lot of Japanese people in San Francisco too, so he learned sumo. <laughs> no. It's too much thought. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, shit. Sometimes they're like, where are you from? Oregon. Well, put on this red uh, tights. You're going to be Russian now. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, even Mr. Fuji is, he's obviously of Japanese descent, but he's, yeah, from, he's from Hawaii, Hawaii right? right? Yeah, he's from Hawaii. And then um, who was the uh, Japanese racial stereotype they had in WCW? Remember? He always had gla- sunglasses on. And he did like a, uh, even though he's supposed to be a Japanese stereotype because he was from like Ohio, he did like a uh, Chinese stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, he's the one that sued WCW. Man, wrestling was wild back then. Actually, it still is wild. Let me tell you about last week how I watched the Royal Rumble. Oh, I was going to watch it because I still had the WWE Network, but I, I forgot about it. Yeah, I, for some reason, I just really wanted to watch wrestling. I really like Royal Rumble, so I'm always and yeah, down for Royal Rumble's dope. Um, but during the Women's Royal Rumble, they had uh, Santino come out, but in his cross-dressing character, Santina. Uh-huh. Joe Rogan mm. threw a fit. Go ahead. Well... 
It's fucking 2020. You have an established women's division. You gave up the fucking spot to this fucking gimmick that's in such poor taste. <laughs> WWE's fucking wax, though. I don't get it. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? Fucking dumb. Also, that said, um, you know how uh, I think I mentioned it before on the Survivor Series episode, how uh, wrestlers basically they whatever they thought was cool when they were nineteen or twenty is what they think is cool for the rest of their life. So uh-huh. they'd be walking around. That's true of everybody, in my experience, for the uh-huh. most part. I mean, like, there's obvious exceptions, but yeah, but you, <laughs> they do it to the extreme because they their characters are usually just such a magnified version of themselves. Yeah. So remember, like the Generation X coming out, they all had. Fucking long hair, goatees, and like stonewashed dad jeans and shit, and they thought they were cool, but it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. But, so that's the big thing in wrestling. So it's not as bad in women's wrestling because like they actually have like so much variety in like hairstyles and aesthetics and like costuming and. Well, they also don't necessarily have like the same. They're not thirsting after the same wrestlers they were when they're 19. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I just, uh, basically, while I was watching the Royal Rumble, I was like, men's wrestling is fucking dead to me. I only like women's wrestling now. <laughs> it's fucking garbage. Because even now, like, the guys that come out are, like, coming out to fucking early 2000s butt rock knockoff and fucking still with their long hair and, like, fucking Linkin Park. When Linkin Park and Jay-Z teamed up, it was, like, fucking greatest day of their life or something. <laughs> corny bullshit like that. So it's just still a bunch of corny dudes doing corny shit. But it's not the same with women's wrestling, like... I mean, they're probably still goofy as shit, too, just because wrestlers live in their own little uncool bubble. But it doesn't seem as bad with women's wrestlers. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm only a fan of women's wrestling. <laughs> Does AEW do any better? I, I have not re- watched a single... Uh, I straight up haven't watched it since the first episode. I was like, all right, good luck, boys. And away we go. <laughs> I doubt it, though. I think I think that's been one of the big complaints is like they haven't really done anything much different than uh, WWE. Well, that's a big disappointment. Yep, uh, and that brings us up to date on Wrestle Time. <laughs> this has been Wrestle Chat. Here's the things I like: making fun of all the shit that you like. And wrestling, wrestling, kung fu movies, <laughs> bad horror movies. We need to get some horror movies going on this shit. You're the one that picks the movies. Yeah, it's also Black History Month. We must. We're, we'll watch Harlem Nights. Yeah, that Richard Pryor. Yeah, fucking VHS cult. Then that'll do it. Um, Conan the Destroyer next. Conan the Destroyer next week. Tune in next week to see what my mental state is like. We'll give you an update on that. Um, you can go to mcventureproductions.com and vhscult.com. Right? Yeah, either one. You can pick. Uh, VHSCult.com. VHSKVLT. Probably, uh, I guess that one's less work to type. So that one is good. Follow us on Twitter. I think our Twitters are on the website. I don't know. They are. Yep, they're on the website. And uh, tell your friends and family about it. Post on tell Twitter about it. This is really a podcast for grandma. Post on Reddit about it. I heard Reddit's got a lot of really cool people there. There's a lot of cool people on Reddit, right? I'm not on Reddit. It's fucking for cool people. <laughs> tell them about it. Um, go to R Squared Circle. Link them the <laughs> Survivor Series episode where we talk about how all the wrestlers died. <laughs> or the <laughs> WrestleMania episode where we talked about all the wrestlers. About how the wrestlers died. And just, you know, have a good week. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, Bernie Sanders will probably be president, right? Nah, I don't think that's how it works. What? <laughs>
I mean, everyone's putting so much emphasis on this caucus on Monday. <laughs> and he wins it. Whoever did hey, it. Guy, hey, guys, I didn't <laughs> to tell you this, but I, he won it in 2016, too, so. And then he became president? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right. That's, that's why we're in this conundrum right that's now. That's why I have health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You know what's yeah, even more depressing? Yeah, yeah. He could still win the presidency. And he could not still get. not have health insurance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you got to try it, though. You know what I mean? So, so you got to hope a little bit occasionally. See how it goes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to go eat some fucking buffalo wings. Let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. It is Super Bowl. VHS called Super Bowl 49ers. I'm going to some garbage. I predict 49ers will win. Then they will burn the Bay Area down. But by burning the Bay Area down, I mean, everyone will come in from the outside city, outside, outside cities, like East and North Bay. They'll come in and destroy like all the um, tech buildings. <laughs> Rise up. I VHS mean, I, Oakland's still a dangerous town. No, nah, there's part of most of it is gentrified. Well, not most of it, but there's a, a solid half of it, like on the other side of the bridge. Hell, gentrified. Oh, really? The area right by the bridge? I haven't been back in. Or maybe it's the opposite. It's East Oakland that's gentrified there. That makes sense. I don't um, know. I just know that there's. Uh, I was talking to someone who I'm friends with that is from like San Jose, but like uh, she was. Um, about to move to Oakland, and she was talking about like how hip it is. You like fuck? What really? Like, the fucking East Bay? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I welcome just, to Oakland. It's the crown jewel of East Bay. <laughs> yeah, and then I was luckily I don't talk to her very much because like that sucks. She's going in there to gentrify it. Like, <laughs> I can't wait to move to Oakland. It's gonna be so hip. And all I was like, what? How are we friends? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. um Going to see the Warriors as a kid, and like the Jack in the Box across the street had bars on the window. Yeah, they don't play there no more. No, they don't even play they, Oracle anymore, do they? No, they moved. They're in the town. No, they're in the city. No, that's what they call it. Remember, the Jersey said the town. That was for Oaktown, Oakland, but now they're in the city. But, no, they, but then why do they have that? Never mind. I, I have all big shit about the fucking Golden State Warriors trying to pretend they're from San Francisco. I guess oh. they technically are now. Well, I mean, they're <laughs> Bay Area's team, but. Well, they also were in San Francisco before, weren't they? A long time ago? A hundred years ago. Like when they first started. Well, no, they were in fucking Michigan or some shit when they first started. Where did the Warriors start at? Not in California. What? Is that right? Know. I can't remember. Yeah, they started fucking NBA teams have moved over a sorry, I say, But I think they were in San Francisco for a little bit. But yeah, they must have been in Oakland. And that's what the town jersey was for, so Oaktown. But then uh, that was the same season that everyone knew that they were about to move to San Francisco. So. <laughs> sorry, guys. Whatever. We don't live in the Bay anymore. It's not our concern. Yeah, it is. I don't want people going to gentrify that shit. <laughs> Fuck it up. DHS. Yeah.